YouTubers, it's Alex for another Millennial Money. And today, we're gonna learn on how you can find your passion, pursue it, and profit from it. So let's get right into it. So part one of this is, what made you see the light? You know, part one is, why did you change? Because most people want to change, right. but they lack, you know what my Hispanic friends call cajones. They don't have the they guts don't have to the cajones, change. Yes. Right? No? <laughs> so, Tell us why you changed, what, was, what motivated you to change, because that's where most people get stuck. They don't change, mm -hmm. right? So what was your story from there? So to put it to the point, I just didn't want to be poor anymore. <laughs> I, you know, my, my fear of staying poor um, was big. And but you're highly was, educated, aren't you? I wasn't at the time. 1997, I found myself in the throes of a nasty divorce, and I didn't even have a car. My ex-husband um, kindly took my car and our house, so I was basically without a car and no you did place you a favor, to call didn't my you? home. <laughs> yes, and if he's out there, thank you, because he really did do me a huge favor. Um, and I sat there one day thinking, this sucks. I. I I don't have even two pennies to rub together. Oh, you weren't, you weren't a school teacher then? Not yet. Um, oh. I was an instructional aide. I was making $11 an hour. In California. In California. And I worked with special needs kids. And I didn't have enough money. Mm -hmm. And one day I just thought, this is not going to happen anymore. So I enrolled in school, went back to get a went to school to get a degree in education because I was told I'd make a phenomenal teacher. So I was doing that. But I also started researching how do wealthy people get rich. So I sat at Barnes and Noble and I read. I read every book you wrote. I read every book out there on people that I admired. And I sat at Barnes and Noble and I read for free and they were kind enough to let me read their books and I told them one day I'm going to be very very successful <laughs> and I'm going to have a lot of money and I'm going to buy my books from you and I've kept that promise uh, to Barnes and Noble but my why was I knew there was so much more to life and I knew from what I read that if I followed what you did and what you said I could have that outcome I just needed to do it so my why became much bigger. Um, I didn't have children. I wasn't married anymore. And I thought, I'm going to do this for the future of my unborn children. I didn't even have a man in my life, so that was a far stretch for me. But my why was so big. It was also about giving my parents a life that they couldn't give themselves. It was the dream car for them, the dream house being at an age where they didn't have to worry about money ever again. So when... So it was out of love. It was out of love. Yeah. And it was about making a difference in my community. Um, there were days that I wanted to give up, but my why was so big. How could I look at my unborn children who one day would be born and say, sorry, I gave up, uh, no college <laughs> for you, no house for you, and... Uh, no car for mom and dad. Yes, yes. Yeah. So my why was really big. Yeah, and I think it's very inspiring because the reason why we started this show, Millennial Money, previously was because we wanted to help people who were looking to what to do with their life and their purpose and why and how to find their why. And so it's inspiring to hear, hear such a frightening and kind of traumatizing story mm -hmm. that brought so much good out of it. 
but I, I also believe that some people think they're not capable of turning the ugly into something so positive like you did. Right. And many women find themselves in that situation. Yes. Where they were depending on someone else and now they're left with nothing. And you went from, like you said previously, from pennies to now a millionaire. Mm -hmm. and so, so let me ask you this. People like horror stories, you know, they don't like good stories. So what was, you know, during this why period, this a, a questioning of life period, what were some of the most horrible things that most people are afraid of that you had to face? Oh boy, so where do I start? One of the consequences of deciding to divorce my husband was that I would be kicked out of my religion. So Which is that? I, I was once a Jehovah's Witness and um, I made the decision that I just couldn't live with that type of a marriage anymore and I made the choice that there was something bigger for me. So overnight, I was left my husband, I was excommunicated and lost my family and my friends. So I was really alone. Um, talk about that being pretty tragic. I- Because they were important to you. They were very important and I'm very family oriented. But what I've learned in hindsight was that it really taught me one, whether you believe in God or the universe or Allah, whoever that is, um, I connected on a spiritual level to a higher power. And that gave me the strength to move forward in my goals. And um, so it was a pretty dark time in my life. So would you say the darker it got, the stronger your spirit yes. got? See, that's, yes. that's what most people miss, is when it's really, really bad, you have a chance for your spirit to get stronger. Yes. And yes. that's when, when people avoid doing what you had to do, the, the bad times, mm -hmm. you also don't get stronger. Right. And, and to just go through it. I read somewhere that said that to, to get through it, you have to go through it. So, you know, I, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs. So it was very raw that I had to just figure out what I needed to do every day so that I could keep moving forward and have that goal right in front of me so that I wouldn't give up. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you fed your brain. Mm -hmm. You know, J.K. Rawlings who wrote Harry Potter, she was the same place. Yes. She had no money and she'd go to the library. She'd sit in a coffee shop like at Barnes and Noble mm -hmm. or something and sip coffee and read books for free. Then she would write her books there. Yes. And she, now she's a billionaire. Her, Harry Potter sold more than Rich Dad. It's, challenging for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the bad times, I think the big lesson here is bad times are what? Are good times actually, and lessons. My darkest hour ended up being the best days of my life. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I learned in all the readings that I did was to write down what did I want. Okay. And I think that's one of the hardest things people go through. They don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just wrote like I was writing to a genie. This is what I want. This is how much money I want to make a year. I want a husband that looks like John F. Kennedy Jr. I want children. I want, and I just went wild with writing what I wanted. My husband does look like JFK, by the way, yes. Um, and, and then I found pictures to match what I wanted. So I started with vision boards, okay. put everything up on a board. And then as things would happen, I have a dreams accomplished board. So wow. I refer to my dreams accomplished board even now when I'm asking or ordering something big 
because I look at my what I've accomplished, what I've manifested, and I think, boy, that was hard at the time. And well, then I did it. So Kim and I went through the same process. We had nothing. And sitting in, in some of our places, it looks like artwork, mm -hmm. but her, her vision board was she went to magazines and she cut out yes. her ideal life. Yes. Is that what you did? Yes. Pictures I did. of it from high-end magazines? Yes, I did. You were even on my vision board, well, which is so funny. A picture of you. <laughs> um, and, you know, just the way I met you was like, oh, this is really Twilight Zone-like. Um, here we are in Hollywood. I'm at an awards event, and you're at a filming, and you come and sit by me, and here we are today. So, um, for me, it was very um, powerful to know what I wanted and dream big mm -hmm. and get past the, I don't deserve it. Yeah. Get, get rid of all that mm -hmm. stuff. Act as if you deserve it. Um, put it on your board. Find the pictures in a magazine. And, and then act as if. I love that you mentioned nourishing your mind because millennials and a lot of even older gen generations no longer read. And so here at the Rich Dad Company, we're taught to have book studies and constantly be like we have a code of honor and that is personal development. And reading books is one of them. And I've seen it help me, and I think that's the reason why I'm here today, too. It's all thanks to reading the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and manifesting it. Yes. And you've mentioned how you read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was wondering how did that inf influence and impact your life? Oh my gosh, it, it changed the trajectory of my life. Um, Robert said something in Rich Dad, Poor Dad that I never forgot, that money should work for me and that my investments and my um, uh, money should pay for my life. Mm -hmm. And that concept was like, wow, that I wouldn't have to work for money anymore. So about two years into reading the book, I no longer had to work. My real estate investments that my husband and I uh, invested in, um, the passive income from that took over my salary. And so you, you, were, you were teaching for a while. Mm -hmm. I did, I got my degree. And that financed your investing, right? Yes, yes. So then when we started investing, so I'll go back a little bit and I'll have to thank my ex-husband for this too. He was letting our original home go into foreclosure and uh, your, your original lousy husband really did you a big favor, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. Not so lousy anymore at the time. I thought he was lousy, but I, I'm very thankful to him now. Well, you know what Rodney Dangerfield says? Yeah. <laughs> he, says he says, I've thought about divorcing my wife, but why should I do her a favor? <laughs> exactly. So the house that um, he took was going into foreclosure. So long story short, I begged the credit union for $5,000 to save it from foreclosure. They were so sweet. Um, they didn't like my ex-husband, so they were <laughs> happy to give me the money. And I promised him. I said, um, I will always bank with you. And I've kept my word to that. Oh. I said, even if I don't need a loan from you, I will get loans from you one day. Just trust me on this. That's spiritual, isn't it? It, yeah. it is. Yeah, when you make a promise. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, save the house. No lie. It, it went from being worth 140000 We owed one fifty. Then it went up to 175000 Then it went up to 250000 So I borrowed money from it. I bought a beautiful house near the country club. Um, market was still low. Mm -hmm. And that original house, 
I sold it in one day for $550,000. And then I turned around and I bought apartments. And so what kind of teacher did you become? Or what? So I ended up going back to school and I became a vocational education teacher for adults with disabilities. Um, my heart has always been with um, those who have developmental disabilities. So mm -hmm. I started doing that. I became teacher of the year. And what, what county or where was this? LA County. I was in Los LA Angeles County, County. Uh -huh. teaching yeah. the for LA County. Yeah. Not, not for the county, for oh. the school district. So okay. it was a Bassett Unified School District, and I became Teacher of the Year. What were some of the personal problems you ran into to keep going, that got in your way? So, you know, not knowing um, about real estate, I, I didn't have a mentor. I mean, you were my mentor, but you didn't even know I existed. No. So my mentors were the books that I read. So. Um, knowing how to, um, the laws of being uh, a property owner mm -hmm. and um, not realizing that when people live in your property, I like it to be beautiful and they don't treat it so well, mm -hmm. not taking it personal. Um, the, the work, I did a lot of the work with my husband. You mean um, the repairing and all that The stuff, repairing, management. I learned to do tile, I learned to lay floors, I learned to do baseboards, I learned to paint, change windows. So you teach, and then the weekends were spent making our properties look beautiful. So that was some of the hard work that went into it. Um, when the economy started to shift, uh, my husband- What year was this? Uh, this was 2000, like five, 2000. Yeah, because right California there. boomed earlier than everybody else. We did. We did. Because I was on KTLA saying all this is coming down in 2005. Mm -hmm. They didn't like that message. You know? No. So when that started to happen, you know, now I'm married to my new husband who's amazing. He's phenomenal with money. And his thing was you can buy, but we can't owe more than 50% on properties. Mm -hmm. So we were able so to ride that. your debt to equity was 50%. Yes. Yes. And that was hard because, you know, you want to buy more, but... We did a very slow growth. For 10 years, we did nothing. But what would be estate. wrong with having a higher debt to equity, like maybe 80% debt and 20% equity? What would be wrong with that from your point of view? You know, I think based on my experience of losing everything and not having two pennies or nickels or dimes to rub together, I just don't want to lose it. So there, there's this fear that I have of making sure that my rents always pay the mortgage. And I have a responsibility to all the families that live there to be financially smart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do I have some properties leveraged a little high right now? I do, um, because I wanted to buy other properties. But your experience but I, is higher. But my experience is higher and I have more assets and I have the money to be able to ride the wave. But I don't encourage you to leverage everything. I, the goal for me is I love things being paid off. Mm -hmm. um, more than you know, 75% of our properties are all paid off. I like that. In case wow. I'm homeless, wow. I can go live in something. My cars are all paid off. Mm -hmm. In case I'm homeless, I can live in a car. So there's always a little bit of that fear still in there, which I think is healthy. Because it I, don't, is. I don't well, it's true respect to you. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's, it works for us. Um, but don't don't use your real estate to finance your vacation or you know, <laughs> borrow money to go and buy that car. Um, use the rents like you taught me. 
um, to pay for your life. So our real estate now pays for our cars or pays mm -hmm. for our homes or our vacation homes, our vacations. And that's how it's set up and I, I love that. So one of the things I always hear is, well, where do I find the money mm -hmm. and how do I find the deals? And the, generally people who say that are lazy people because I always say there's a deal of a lifetime. I mean, there's more deals than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. more deals you see, the more deals you see. Mm -hmm. And oh, no deals here, you know. You ever hear that? I do. And you gotta do it for the right reason. We invest in real estate now to give better opportunities to families who would never be able to live in these multi-million dollar neighborhoods or these beautiful homes. Um, elderly, we rent to a lot of veterans and elderly people and I ask a spiritual. Them, relationship with the tenant. It is. Back to your question of the hard parts um, is we're blessed that we have phenomenal tenants. I've probably only had to evict five in the 17 years we've been doing this. Oh. Um, but I do that every other day. <laughs> I'll show you how to not do that. <laughs> I don't do that. Oh. <laughs> but um, so some of the hard parts is you know, I have to really work on not being afraid of the unknown, yeah. not letting my past beliefs um, scare me. And I need to just look at my dreams accomplished board to fortify me like, you can do this. You did that. Um, you mentioned when people ask, you know, how do you find these deals? Where are they? If, if you're doing it for the right reason, they show up. I bought 18 units for half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. That's unheard of. I thought it was falling off the mountain or falling. No, but you, but you also, didn't you homestead an area like where Mount Baldy is and all that? I, I up in Crestline, San Bernardino County. We, we own a lot up there. It so, was affordable. Yeah, a lot of times the mistake people make is that when you look at property, it's not like looking for a stock. You've got to find an area that you want to be the expert in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you found this one area that was affordable, needed mm -hmm. development, and that's where you went into. Yes. yes. Can you explain how you did that? Well, I, again, you know, in your books, um, find the ugliest house <laughs> in the nicest neighborhood. That, that stuck with me. It's what I do. Um, we, we bought things that people said, I don't know, I don't think you should buy that. Yeah. And when you can see past that and the repairs and the outcome mm -hmm. of it, you've got to be able to see that. Um, so, you know, Crestline, everyone's like, oh, it's not good and, you know, it's just bad. But I could buy a triplex for $40,000 and turn around and make $2,100 a month. Um, we could buy a beautiful house on the lake. That? You just look. I mean, right, I how did you finance? Oh, how did I finance it? Well, it was $40,000, so I pulled it off credit cards at first. And then, you know, um, can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> That's what a lot of people tell us that you can't do that. It's impossible. And so here we are listening to a real story that yeah. someone actually did it. Yeah. And I, I did, you know, um, again, the book, um, I knew I wanted to be very wealthy. I had a retirement as an educator. Um, and when I left being an educator, I pulled out all of my retirement. I thought my husband was going to flip <laughs> and have a heart attack. Um, so I was able to pull out $300,000 you know, after all the penalties and the taxes and oh, everything yeah. were paid. But I did the math. At, if I had to wait till I was 65 
-hmm. I was going to bring in 5600 a month. But 13 years ago, if I pulled out the money then, 300000 I bought 18 units, 500000 I put all of my money into that, financed 200000 My mortgage is 900 a month. Mm -hmm. My return is 22000 a month. But I knew that at 40, I could bring in eighteen to 22000 a month forever. And I would way surpass my retirement. We've talked a lot about certain situations you faced. And you mentioned how you have children. And I would like to know more about your future and also how you educate them and how many kids you have. Okay. So, um, married this amazing man. Mm -hmm. And we were blessed to have two children. So our daughter Caitlin is 16 and a half, 15 and a half, and our son Michael is 14 and a half. Um, when Caitlin was born, I made the shift to no longer um, work as a school administrator and started companies. Um, I was able to do that because of our real estate and the passive income allowed me to not have to work anymore. Uh, teaching them what I wished I would have learned at their age has been one of the funnest parts of parenthood. Mm -hmm. um, they're like sponges. They, um, I started giving them money as an allowance when Michael was four and Caitlin was five. And my husband thought I'd lost my mind. He said, they're too young to have money. They don't know. I said, we're gonna do this. I had them negotiate how much money they needed a week. And every Friday was payday. And every Friday we went to Target. So they started off at you know, $5 a week. Mm -hmm. Well, my son is brilliant and figured out that he could not do enough with $5. Mm -hmm. So he I said, negotiate, tell me why you need more. So they went up to $20 a week. Like, okay, I said, the only rule is you can't lend and you can't borrow. So Friday, so for the first six months, they spent every penny they got. Then after that, they figured if they saved it, they would get more. Mm -hmm. So. Long story short, they um, are great savers. Um, they're up to about $20,000 each in a savings account. Wow. I said, when they get that, their dad and I will match that, and then we're gonna buy a piece of real estate that they're gonna learn. And that's great because sometimes we believe that when people are wealthy, their kids will be spoiled. Mm -hmm. And so implementing a structure on how to manage your money to have money work for you right. is what every parent needs to be doing so that they can be able to provide for themselves in the future. Yes, yes. And another interesting fact I love about you is that you were actually in the education system for a very long time. Yes. And I know Robert has a strong issue with the current state of our education system. Mm -hmm. And so what advice would you have for our viewers who are maybe going to college or thinking about going to college? Um, you know, I, I think at my heart, I'm always going to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to teach with passion and teach that you want kids to be successful. Nothing gets under my skin more than teachers that have their own agenda and are out to find kids mm -hmm. doing bad. You know, I always started kids off with an A. It's yours to lose. Mm -hmm. and, but I don't want you to lose it. So my goal was to facilitate their success. And I think our system of education would be amazing. One, if we taught financial literacy. And two, if we just 
taught these kids to find their purpose yeah. and and celebrate that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're so we give attention to the kids who aren't making good choices and we don't teach them how to make good choices. Yeah. So I feel those those kids that are in trouble all the time have some great leadership skills. Yeah. They just don't lead in the right like way. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You look how you turned out. Uh, yeah, you turned out just fine. But but I think it that we painful. should. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what's the future hold for you? Yeah. What, what are your dreams? So my dreams are, um, I love giving people jobs. I just love that. I love anybody coming up and saying, I need a job. And I can ask them, what do you do? And it, whether it's housekeeping or working in a restaurant or ice cream or after school, I want to be able to say, yes, come and come work. So I know to do that, I need to grow our real estate division. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely want to grow that. My goal is to have as many properties as you have. <laughs> um, I'm putting my feelers out, writing uh, some books, and... And this is, this is your first book here? This is, I was a contributing author with Jack Canfield, so um, that gives a little story of you only get what you order, and it's about ordering the life that you want. Um, so that's uh, on next, be able to create more jobs. Um, got my contractor's license, so we're gonna look at developing some properties and um, grow. Yeah. So, you know, and there's some social impact things that I want to be a part of. The homeless. Yeah. Um, target those that really just are homeless because of circumstances, not mental illness or any of those mm -hmm. things, but just lost their job. So mm -hmm. there's some social things that I want to be a part of and I need to grow, make more money to be able to do that. Congratulations. Thank you so much for watching this video. And thank you to all our amazing subscribers. And to those who haven't subscribed yet, we have a huge favor to ask you. We want to reach 1 million before the end of the year, and we're almost there. We just need your help. So go ahead and click that subscribe button. Thank you guys, and I'll see you in the next one. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.